Hey everyone, Pastor Blake Harkup here from Bedrock, Sarasota. I just wanted to take a minute to welcome you to our podcast. We hope that you get to know God more, that you feel encouraged, and that you see how God's moving in your life from a brand new perspective. Enjoy today's message. All right. Hey, how about the worship? Wasn't that awesome? That was, that was great. That was, that was great. Um, if you've been here for the past couple of weeks, or maybe you haven't been, we've been walking through a series about generosity. And if you haven't been here, please don't be like, oh, why did I come here today? That's not, don't worry. Don't worry. You missed it by one week. Last week was the money talk, and I was glad about it. When me and Blake were talking about uh, how this was going to break down, he was like, I'm going to have you preach one Sunday. And I was like, hopefully not the funny one, because that's not fun. So I've really enjoyed this generous series, and um, we've talked about the talents that we have, the, the gifts that we have, and then last week, like I said, we talked about money. Um, and it really, it was a great message. And overall, this series has really, for me, illuminated that we serve a generous God. And that's why we're called into generosity. And so before we move in to this, we need to pause and just like we've done in the past couple weeks, we need to pause and look at what exactly does generosity mean? Generosity is anything above normal. That's what we've established. So normal though is different between a college student and someone that works at, I don't know, I was gonna say Enron. How weird is that? <laughs> They're in prison, I think. Um, <laughs> Anyway, that's, I mean, that's pretty different, too. <laughs> there you go. Um, normal is defined by where you are in life, and, and we're all different in that way. Um, and in order for us to be generous, then we have to be a good steward of our life. We can't expect to be generous when we are spending X, Y, Z for something that we don't need, and then we're trying to be generous, and we're like, how do we do these two things? I don't know how to do this in my life. Whatever. You have to be a good steward of those things in your life before you can be really generous. It's really hard to do that if you're not taking care of the things in your life. And then generosity isn't so we can gain when we give, but how we give because we have received. So it's not investing. It's not the same thing. We hear that a lot. I think it's like sow into the kingdom so we can reap. Sure. But when we give, we should have no expectation of getting something back. Amen? Amen. Amen. I love it. Yeah, back. Let's go. This is not the prosperity gospel. That's all I was saying. So last week, Blake talked about money. And today, we're going to look at something, really, the only thing that money can't buy, which is time. And so um, I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive right in. Father, we thank you for this, this evening. We thank you. First of all, we thank you for the immense talent that was on stage just a few minutes ago. The willingness to partake and lead our church in worship, God, and, and sing songs and memorize things and, and time-wise, Lord. We thank you for their willingness to do that. And Lord, we pray for our children's workers right now who are undoubtedly uh, hanging out with my son who is running around. And I just pray that you give them patience and uh, boldness this evening and just watch over them. And I pray for this sermon. I pray for this service. I pray for uh, these people, this church, and anybody watching online now or sometime in the future that they hear you and they don't hear me. In the name of my pray. Amen. So in a round table talk, just one of those casual ones with billionaires around, um, 
this comment was made by Warren Buffett to Bill Gates. So, you know, like I said, just a comment, you know, just to get together. Uh, people are going to want your time. This is what Warren Buffett said. It's the only thing you can't buy. I mean, I can buy anything I want, basically, but I can't buy time. We've all heard that time is money, but we maybe haven't thought about that uh, the opposite way. We have to realize that money isn't time. No matter how much money we get, we won't be able to buy any more time unless you invent a time machine, but that, I don't see that happening. So you don't have any opportunity that you have given by God for this lifetime. So it's a limited commodity and therefore, it has automatic value. It's kind of like Bitcoin, right? There's a, <laughs> there's a peak to that. They're mining it out. If you don't know anything about Bitcoin, neither do I. Um, <laughs> you know, we may not all have the same amount of talent. We may not have the same amount of, of gifting that God has given us. We're all given different things. And, um, and we might not all have the same amount of money, but, I'm here to tell you that the thing that matters is we all have time, and everybody's minute is 60 seconds, and we don't know when that time's going to run out or anything like that, so it's a little bit different. My time is just as valuable as a Bill Gates' time, because we have the same amount of time. So everyone has some time on this planet, and how we use it is what really matters. Um, when you choose to use your time generously, you can change the world. So when I say that, um, it makes me want to look at one of the biggest world changers. All right, who do you think I'm talking about? Oh, Jesus, it was a Sunday school answer. We got it, there we go. So we wanna talk about Jesus, and we wanna take a look. And so this is a, not a stereotypical message that I would prepare. Usually I like to take a big chunk of scripture and work through it. This is gonna be like an overview of the life of Jesus and looking at different scriptures and how he reacted and what he did. So um, we want to look at what he did with his time and we can catch a glimpse of how we can follow in his footsteps. Jesus obviously spends a lot of time doing ministry, a ton of it, walking around all the time, talking to people, healing people, speaking to people. Uh, but there's one thing that will genuinely pop out if you read through the Gospels that Jesus was constantly doing and consistently doing. Now I'm going to do that again. Any guesses for this one? Praying. Praying. Yes, this is great. Praying. Yeah, he was constantly praying. He was stopping whatever was happening, getting away to pray. Um, on this, this slide, it's going to have a list of, of scripture. And I'm just going to walk through them. You, this isn't, I'm not going to read all the whole story. I'm going to tell you what it is. If you want to write down some of these passages to go back and look, you're more than welcome to. Luke 5, 16, he heals a leper, and he's like, hey, don't tell anybody. <laughs> go make a sacrifice, and uh, if people ask you it was a sacrifice of healing, that's what's going to happen. Um, and then Luke 5, 16, he withdrew to desolate places to pray. Luke 6, 12, he went out and onto the mountain to pray. All night, he continued in prayer to God. Luke 11, 1, he was praying, and his disciples asked him how to pray. So he was with his disciples, and they finally were like, how does he do this? He wasn't like, disciples, I'm going to train you today in how to pray. Here's the Lord's Prayer. They took notice because he was consistently praying. 
Now, the next one is Mark 6, 46. This is where Jesus feeds 5,000 people. He sends the disciples ahead so he can rest just a little. And it says in verse 46, it says, after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea and he was alone on the land. This is where he walks out on the water, which is pretty humorous to me, that whole, that whole situation. I just picture Jesus, you know, like, hey guys, it's all good. Go on ahead. I'll dismiss the crowd. You guys get ahead. I'm going to go up this mountain. I'm going to take a little hike. I'm going to go up here, get some me time. I'm going to pray, get situated. And so then Jesus is praying. He's up there by himself in a desolate place. And he looks out, and he's like looking at this boat, struggling. And he's like, I just picture him just exhaling, like, come on, gee. All right. And he just like walks down the hill. And then walks out on the water like nonchalantly. Like, okay, I'll just go help them, I guess. Um, walks over the ship, and then they're like, it's a ghost. He's like, no, it's me, guys. What are, you, are you kidding? And then Peter, all bold, is like, I'll step out of the water. If you call me out, I'll do it. And he does it, all that. But in between that, this is what I'm pointing at. He was praying, okay? He dismissed people. He dismissed his people, not just the crowd. He said, guys that I'm really close to, Go. I need you guys to get out of here. I need some time. So Jesus was generous with his time with his father. He devoted time to praying, and he was the literal son of God. How much more time do you think you and I need to devote to the father? Praying consistently. I'm not saying we need to, to move somewhere and be monks, you know. I mean, it'd be cool for a week not to talk. But we see through Jesus' life and the disciples' life that there most certainly is a time for action. There's a time to move and get work done. But as we just looked at and saw, most of Jesus' ministry as he walked around all of Israel was continually bathed in prayer. Constantly, consistently. When was the last time you got somewhere desolate? And just prayed. I mean, went somewhere alone with the purpose of praying and getting alone with God. Just praying for God's will in your life. Praying for, to be honest, pray for whatever came to your mind, whatever the Spirit brought to your mind. And I know that's hard. There, I mean, I went to Liberty University with Dr. Jerry Falwell. He has a, he has a story about how he started Liberty, and it's crazy. The dude just walked around a mountain and was like, I know this is going to be where I start our university. I know that. I'm just going to pray for it constantly. Okay. When he was in college then, he went to the, the dean or whatever to get another room. He was like, is there like a storage closet that I can use? And they're like, what are you talking about? He's like, I just need like a prayer closet. I need to like go somewhere on campus that's specifically. And I'm like, okay. And so when he was in college, he would... Start praying in this closet. And he said, I started with an hour a day. Then I went to two hours. Then I got up to literally seven-ish hours he would spend in this prayer closet. Mainly focused on praying for Liberty University. This, this fictitious college that didn't exist yet. As a college student, praying to found a college. Okay? Craziness. And then he founded a college. And on top of that, it's the world's largest 
evangelical Christian university. Do you guys think that had anything to do with some of his prayer time? I do. I, I definitely do. I think he knows it too. Like, I don't, I don't think we would have made it if we didn't spend hours and hours on him praying. But what I'm saying is those first couple five minutes, you may be disappointed. Like, man, I ran out of things to pray for. I promise it happens. But if you continually pray, if you continually, you will eventually just start praying for things that you didn't even know you needed to pray for. People's, mind, people's names will come out of nowhere. Like, I didn't even know I knew my neighbor's name. But I know now I'm praying for him. But when was the last time you tried to do that? Desolate just means an empty place. Void of human. And I think they use the word desolate here because it's away from distractions. So I may step on some toes, but man, when was the last time we, we got away from distractions? And I, and I mean like not my iPhone, no music. I don't care if it's Bethel playing in your ear pods. It's like have silence. Are we even able to do that anymore with the distractions of Netflix and Hulu and Fubu, what other, what other ones I can say? There's a lot of other ones. Like, it's hard. It's hard to turn something off and just be. And then sometimes, I mean, I do the same thing. It's like, I'm not telling you you have to pray with no music. It's just, when was the last time we thought to do that? Just to be silent. We have to be generous in the way we spend our time with God. We have to stop giving him the scraps and acting like that's okay. Like, oh, I'll pray before bed. Really? Like, I don't think God's saying that. I don't think God's there like, really? I think we should be saying, man, because we need to shift our mind a little bit. We talked about generosity and what we should do, our talents our, and our money, and we have to shift it a little. I have to, because I have to remind myself that I, I'll give God some of this. It's all his, every bit of it, and he's allowing me to keep it. So my mind shift has to be like, Man, I'm so grateful God allows me to keep this. I'm so grateful that I have money to buy an apartment or food or whatever. That should be my mindset. I just encourage you to start making a priority. And so what do we do when we have a priority? What do we do when we think something's important in a week? We typically make a schedule for it. We, put it, we pull out our phones and then we schedule like... This week I have a Tuesday lunch. I think we should start scheduling our time with God. And maybe I'm just talking to myself. But like scheduling in, I'm going to put this on my calendar to hold myself to it. And not just the stereotypical, I'm going to get up and do five-minute devotions and then listen to Joy FM. That's what I'm going to do today. And that's going to be lovely. It's going to be great. No. Like, do you think that worked for the Son of God? <laughs> no, he bathed everything in prayer. Anytime he could get away, he was praying. Now, like I said, we all know Jesus didn't just stay in a desolate place. He, he was a man of action. We can see so many times he heals, he teaches, he preaches to huge crowds. Over and over again we see that. But we also see him ministering to the one, okay? We see him reaching out one-on-one -on -one conversations, one-on-one -on -one interactions to insignificant people, quote-unquote. 
people who were broken and lost and didn't have any elevated status in society. This is another list of, of, of scripture that we can't touch on every single one of them or go to them all. We're just going to mention what they talk about. But it says, Luke, Luke 18. This is, now they were bringing even infants to him that, they might, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called them saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Luke 19 with Zacchaeus. You all know Zacchaeus. He was a short dude, climbed a hill or climbed a tree to get a glimpse. And that's not, like that's kind of like the storybook. Like, oh, Zacchaeus. You know that song? Zacchaeus was a wee. Three of you got it. I just wanted to see if I could get you to do it. That was awesome. We see him um, not just say, hey, Zacchaeus, you're okay. It's all good. You're forgiven. But Jesus goes back to his house has lunch with him. He takes criticism for it, too. He hangs out with him. John 4, we see him at, with the woman at the well, which was culturally inappropriate at that time. He broke that wall, talking to a woman, a woman of a different nationality. He, talks, he confronts her past and present and draws her into relationship. John 3, Nicodemus. We all know John 3.16, that's where this comes from. He doesn't understand, how am I born again? How do I, am I supposed to enter my mom's womb again? How am I supposed to be born again? Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He, was, he, he approached Jesus at night. It's specific in scripture, it says at night because he was scared to go and talk to Jesus. But he wanted to know. He, and Jesus gladly took him in. Luke 8, the woman who was healed just by touching him walking past just behind him and he, she reaches out and touches his garment and he stops and says, and he turns and he says, I know someone touched me but I felt the power go out of me. Who was that? And this woman is there and says, it was me. And she's kind of ashamed. And he's like, don't be ashamed. Your faith has made you whole. Healed. He one-on-one. -on -one. In the midst of crowd, in the midst of audience, it's still a one-on-one. -on -one. And then Matthew 14. This is this is one where we see Jesus' really, to be honest, supernatural generosity. John the Baptist was just killed, okay? In a terrible and cruel way. His head was brought, was brought in on a platter in the midst of a party. It was horrible. And we can skip down to verse 12. And it says, and his disciples came and took the body and buried it. And they went and told Jesus. Verse 13, he says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But, here's a, here's a big but, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Verse 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. Jesus' cousin who was probably closer like a brother to him. This is the, the cousin that leapt in the womb when Mary went and saw uh, her cousin, right? That's, it was like, this is John the Baptist, okay? This is his cousin. He's, they're close. They grow up together, not far from each other. Israel's not a big place. You can walk most of it. He was just murdered. 
And then his body was violated, his head was cut off, and brought into a party. And Jesus rightfully is like, I need some time, guys. I need to get in this boat. I need to go pray. I need to get, I, I got to get out of here. So he gets in the boat. Scripture doesn't say he's praying, but we can look at Scripture and say anytime he escapes to a desert place, Jesus is praying. So I'm assuming he's praying. He's in this boat. Scripture um, says that when he gets to the shore, there's a mass of people. And I think he had every right in the world to say, hey, guys, uh, not today. <laughs> I've got some family stuff going on. <laughs> I, I just... Uh, I'm dealing with this right now. Or, or maybe it was, he, I, guys, I just need to take a time out for the day. Uh, my cousin was just beheaded for basically being my hype man. Uh, I got, I'm a little anxious about that. I think maybe some people are looking for me now. I just need a break. I need some time away. No. He's moved with compassion, stays where he is, and heals these people. Then... It turns into a massive picnic because this is where he feeds another 5,000 people just by multiplying all the food. So Jesus gets word of his dead cousin murdered for talking about him, for, for publicly pushing himself, Jesus. Jesus escapes with like full intention of getting away to pray and then he sees this crowd full of People who need his help, who want his help, and he's moved with compassion. This is being generous with time, and that's what we're talking about. Jesus was generous with his time. And I think there's two reasons. I mean, Jesus was God, okay? So yes, super, that's why I said this is supernatural. Jesus was generous with his time over and over and over again through all, all of his ministry. I don't think you even needed me to mention so many of these stories. Because his three years of ministry are so chock full that we can't argue that. But when we take a step back and see how many times he stops and has these conversations, one-on-one -on -one times, teaching Peter over and over again who he is. And Peter, okay, just shut up, Peter. Just realize who I am. Just stop. Do you not understand this? Do you love me? Peter's like, yeah, of course I do. Okay. Feed my sheep. What does that mean? Okay, we're not there yet. The times he spent in this. And I know that, like I said, he is God. So he has this supernatural ability. But he also, there was something else to him. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But he also had an urgency. I think, I think partially because he knew his life was going to be to end. I think, I think that's why. He knew, he knew he had a deadline. But he cared. He cared about others. He cared about individuals, not just the crowds. Actually, I think he cared more about the individuals than the crowds. There's numerous times where he dismisses the crowds. He speaks in riddles on purpose. If you get it, if you get it. There's sometimes when he's walking. One of my favorite stories. He's walking and he's like surrounded by people, it says. And he's like, he takes notice. I don't know how exactly it's said. But he takes notice of this big crowd. And he's like, you can tell he's frustrated because... He knows that he's only being followed because of the fame around him. It's not, they're like not choosing to follow him. He's not just a jerk. But he turns around and he's like, hey guys, you can't follow me unless you hate your mom and dad and family. 
And then, can you imagine if you're like, oh, well, I'm going to go back to work then because I love my family. Like he, it, that's Jesus. He dismisses the families or dismisses the crowds to have these one-on-one conversations because they matter. Why are you talking about this, Cody? Why are you talking about the individuals? And this is, this is the model we have to start or continue or whatever we're doing. We have to live this out. I think we can all nod and say, yeah, yeah, we definitely do. We need to spend time with each other. But we all have schedules, we all have things to do, and, and just life. So when things come up, and someone needs to talk, someone calls us, we're like, it's just inconvenient. You know, it's just, I'm kind of busy right now. But I'm here to tell you that the life of a believer, we're not called into a life of convenience. I didn't, see, I didn't hear many MNs on that one. I'm going to say it again. We're not called into a life of convenience. There you go. We're called to serve. More than that, we're called to die to ourselves. Your time is not your time. So if we view it as not my time, I'm not having to be generous because it's God's time already. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Does that make sense? I know it's a circular argument, but I'm using it, so deal with it. There are probably some ways that you're already thinking like, oh, you know what, I could do this more, I could do this more. Um, But here are just, this is a quick list. I didn't even put this in the slides. I'm just gonna read this. Uh, Listen well to a hurting friend. Point them back to the scripture. This is a phone call, somebody that's struggling on on Facebook. You know, you see somebody, send them a message of encouragement, reaching out. Um, Committing to a small group each week. Contributing to conversation and prayer. I'm not just saying go for, you know, the charcuterie board, but go for more than that. Go for actual accountability and getting into the word and learning what Christ actually has to say. Also get some charcuterie because it's good. Um, Interact with an unbeliever and invite them to church. That's great. Do it. Find somebody. I promise you will. Choose to focus on your kids, setting aside other duties and work and phones. This is me preaching to myself. (laughs) We have a computer in our hands at 24-7, and it's really hard to put down. Um, It's real hard. But kids grow up fast. And all of us here, if we call ourselves Christians, our first ministry is our family. And your kids grow quick, quickly. Turn off the Netflix. Remember that your family is your first mission field. Maybe it means getting getting rid of something in your schedule. That's a good, and it could be a good thing. I'm not saying the things that you've packed your schedule for are bad. It's just maybe you need to choose the great instead of the good. You got to make some time to do what you're called to do. Living generously with your time glorifies God and his gospel. So Camp Choff, the first picture is, it's like a picture of like a farm looking thing, I think. It's going to come up, I promise. There you go. Camp Choff. This is a blip on the map in rural Ohio, okay? Um, in northeastern Ohio. This camp is probably at least half to do with where I am spiritually today. Guaranteed. I went there as an elementary school student, watched them do puppet ministry. <laughs> I remember like, what is this? Uh, I won Bible quiz one time, like as a fourth grader. It's a core memory. I'm not even joking. It's like ingrained. 
I'm, it's so ingrained that I'm going to ask this question. I don't have a $5 gift card to Starbucks on me, but I will buy you coffee if you get this right. So here's the question. Who is the only human person in scripture to see God, the Father, in physical form on earth? Not Jesus. Okay. Who is this? No. No. Remember, I got this right as a fourth grader. Who? Who? Adam, no. Nope. Elijah's had a vision. Oh, come on. Somebody went up to the mountain. What? Moses. Ding, ding, ding. Well, you should have said it louder. Sorry. I ain't buying you nothing, Maria. Moses is the answer. Remember, he came down and his face was glowing. That's because he, Jesus, God said, you cannot look upon me. You can't handle it. But as I pass by, I will cover your eyes and you will see the back of me as I walk away. That's God in his physical form. I'm just telling you right now, fourth grade, nobody got that right. It was worth 1,200 points and I won the day. Okay. Anyway, that's fun. Bible quiz. I think I guessed, to be honest. I think I was like, Moses. Um, anyway. Like I said, this is a core memory for me. Core. I remember this, okay? Anyways, I was there for elementary camp for almost like four years in a row. I then returned to Camp Chaff as a counselor, which is this next picture. Yep, I was sweaty there too. So uh, as a young freshman in college to be a counselor, I really got my life back on track there. Um, it's part of my testimony. Um, and I have been back now a handful of times Actually, probably like five or six times, and led worship there for the camp and say that's the next the next thing. Yeah, there you go. So over the time, over the past, I don't know, twenty years of my life, probably more than that, twenty five, thirty. Camp Chop has been influential in my life. It's been a steadfast like I return there and God is like, hey, remember what I've done, and it's like a drawback. It changed my life. And some of the speakers there I met, some of the relationships I had, yes, I certainly, it certainly contributed to that. But you know who else did? The nameless, thankless uh, caretakers of that camp. The people that gave their time generously. They just lived next door to mowing the yard, to fixing things, to building things to planting things. And because of those people, and because of their generosity, because of the time that they gave, they've allowed kids for generations to fall in love with Jesus. They're part of that story. And I know they will be honored in heaven for it. I know they will. I don't know their names. I try to look them up. I know exactly where their house is. No, exactly. And I thought, like, they used to work, when I, I thought they worked for the camp until I worked for the camp. And I was like, oh, no, those are just the so-and-sos. They just take to the camp because they live here. And it's like, well, that's cool. You know, Camp Chop has this tradition before every meal. We stand in front in lines. You kind of line up real quick. So you say First Corinthians. It's actually like First Corinthians 10.31. Whether you eat or drink. Or whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. First Corinthians 10 31. That's what you say every time. There you go. Yes. It's stuck in me. Told you, a core memory. Um, 
And it's true. Whatever we do, we should be doing it for God's glory. So whether that's meeting with someone, whether it's giving our time, using our talent like we talked about, whether it's using our money, like actually starting to tithe or give above what we think, living a life of generosity, it should do, all of these things should bring glory to God. And as I, as I start to close, I just, want, I just want us to think and also remember we should be and have just a bit of urgency about us when it comes to the gospel, just like Jesus did. I do think Jesus knew exactly when he was going to die and when, and we don't have that. We don't know when he's returning. We don't know that. But we do know he is. We need to be about his business. Our generosity, when it comes to time, should just be that we give our time away and have a driving force of urgency. This isn't just a reminder to be more generous with our time because there's a real timeline to this. There's a dead end or deadline. The king is returning. There's stuff we need to be doing. I think here in America, we have an easy way of just kind of forgetting or putting it off a little bit of what happens maybe after we die. We don't like to think about it because we're not like confronted with like people dying in the street too often in some countries around the world or things being really that bad. We have loved ones that die and we have COVID and it's terrible, but we don't like to think about death too often. So we kind of operate without thinking about what's next. And what happens when we do that, we kind of numb ourselves. And we function like there isn't a, ju- a judgment next. There isn't that. That's, we kind of put it behind our, we don't, we're not going to think about it. If we take a poll, yes, oh, I, I, believe, I believe there's hell. I'll say yes to this. I'll do this. But we do absolutely nothing about it. Ooh, I know that hurts to say. I know it. And because of this, we lack a sense of urgency that the gospel really requires from us. I mean, guys, we are doing church pretty well, right? We're doing pretty well. Like I said, that band was good. We got lights. We got some cameras back here. John is a ridiculous musician. We have some crazy talent. Our kids is going well. We got lights to make it look cool. And these are all good things. They're not bad things. But please do not get it confused. We're not here to entertain you. At all. The Christian life isn't about entertaining you. In fact, it's a call to die. I know I said that before. The Christian life is a call to die to yourself. Okay, Cody, you don't get to preach that much. Is that why you're yelling at us? You're making me a little nervous. Calm down. Well, I'm telling you right now, I guarantee that Pastor Blake wasn't called to plant this church to just start a group of people where people come and enjoy a service. He planted to see people's lives change because of the radical hope of Jesus dying on a cross to free us from the bonds of sin and save us from eternal judgment. The gospel is urgent. And we have to be generous with our time to live out that gospel daily. We have to. 
If we're not, we are not living on our purpose. Christians, please hear me. And maybe this is just a kick in your pants. <laughs> maybe you realize, you know, I, need to, I really need to love my coworker a little bit different. I need to start talking about who Jesus is and what he actually means in my life. Maybe that's now. Or, you know, maybe you have just been putting off fully diving into your Christian walk. And today you're saying, maybe you're all in. Or maybe you want that. And you're not even sure how to do that. The band's going to come up. We're going to play some songs. They're going to sing and worship. But tonight, I, I want really for you guys to focus in what does it mean to be generous with your time with God, generous with your time with others, and what's it mean to be having an urgency to life, an urgency to the gospel. Thank you for jumping into today's message, and we truly hope that you were encouraged. If you were encouraged, would you like and share this with someone that you truly love and care about? It may just be the thing that they need to get through this week. Also, let us know how the message impacted you, and please let us know any ways that we can be praying for you. But finally, I just wanted to take a minute to thank all of our supporters and those who give generously to make all that we have and do here at Bedrock happen. If you'd like to support us, you can do that really quickly by texting 84321 with any amount and setting up text to give, or you can give on our website. Thank you once again for all that you do, and we hope to see you soon.